We thank you for your presence. Your presence is heaven to us. God, we thank you because we are the sons and daughters whom you call by your name, destined to do exploits here in the kingdom. God, we thank you because you have brought us forth for such a time as this. You've empowered us. God, you have ordained us. We are those who the earth is groaning for the manifestation of. So God, empower us to do what you call us to do. That is to bring peace upon this earth. God, make us one. One with our brother and sister, one with you, Father. We give you praise for that. God, even as your precious blood is flowing over this body and throughout the kingdom, God, we ask right now that it would bring deliverance, that it would bring healing, and God, that it would bring a revelation of who you are to your people. So God, we ask now, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in this place, in this house, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. you have your Bibles this morning, go with me to the book of Joshua, chapter 24, Joshua, chapter 24, verse 14 reads thus, now therefore fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity, and in truth, and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Thank you, Father. I want to talk to you this morning on the thought of the renewal of choices. The renewal of choices. Strange title. I understand that. But every time you make a choice, you are renewing your original choice. But we'll get to that. You can be seated. <clears throat> now in uh, Joshua chapter 24, the Lord had spoke through Joshua. And then when the Lord stopped sp speaking, immediately the Bible says that Joshua began to speak directly to the people. And the Bible says that he charged them to be faithful in serving God 
and because the, uh, it's because God had been faithful and helping them. Now, you notice even in the scripture, it says the, uh, the gods of the Amorites in, whom, uh, in whose land you dwell. In other words, God has already been faithful in that he has already overturned their captivity and brought them to a place that they didn't have to fight for. Amen. Amen. So the Bible says here that God uh, uh, was the one who was doozing, uh, doozing, doing the choosing. <laughs> wow. That's what happens when you only have one cup of coffee. <laughs> so the whole message is about choice. First, the people made choices, and then God says he's made a choice. <clears throat> but now the Bible says in, uh, I think it's John chapter 15, uh, verse 16, I believe it says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Amen. So, so the Bible says that we were, we were chosen, and of course we could go through a whole litany of things that tells us uh, Peter says we are a chosen generation of royal priesthood. Uh, Paul says in Ephesians that we were chosen before the foundation of the world. So we know that we are chosen. Amen. Amen. But let's go on. Uh, in, in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 37, here's what it says. It says, and because he loved your fathers, therefore he chose their descendants after them and brought you out of Egypt with his presence. Now notice the wording here. Because he loved your fathers. Because he loved your fathers. I sure hope that, never mind. Because <laughs> sometimes we don't act like we have any children. What you trying to say, Pastor? I'm saying that if you don't live right for any other reason, if you won't do it for yourself, he says he loved, your, he loved your fathers, therefore he chose their descendants after them and brought you out. So because your fathers did the right thing, the Bible said he chose you and brought you out with his presence with mighty power. Now notice in Deuteronomy, this is still God doing the work. Amen. In Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 2, the Bible says, For you are a holy people to the Lord your God, and the Lord has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all peoples who are on the face of the earth. So we see that uh, uh, Israel was God's choice and it was a sovereign choice. What do you mean a sovereign choice? Israel had nothing to do with God's choosing. God himself made that decision. And notice that uh, in Joshua chapter 2, uh, Rahab had to make a decision also. Notice in verses 9 through 11, uh, she said this, uh, and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land that the terror of you has fallen on us 
and that the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. See, when God's people show up, they command attention. The Bible says, 4 verse 10, for we have heard how the Lord dried up the waters of the Red Sea. So when you came out of Egypt and, uh, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, uh, Sion and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And verse 11 says, as soon as we heard these things, faith comes by what? It says, uh, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on, uh, above and on earth beneath. So Rahab made a commitment based on what she had seen and heard. And the Bible says that that commitment was a, a lasting commitment. So Joshua is now talking to his people, and he's talking in a non-threatening or non-coercing way because he's no, he knows that they must make a choice for themselves. Amen? But what he said was, and we're going to talk more about it in just a moment, what he said was, I'm making a choice so that you can have an example to follow. One more time. I'm making a choice so you will have an example to follow. You know, sometimes it's hard for folk to follow you because your choice is not clear. You're saved today. You're mad tomorrow. Then you're saved again the next day. So we don't know what salvation really looks like, and we don't know if we made the right choice or not. How many times have you heard people say, uh, well, if they, they can't live this, I don't know why you expect me to be able to live it. But you probably don't hang around people that say stuff like that. <laughs> so Joshua, when he spoke, he spoke as the head of his household, the head of his household. Now notice something. Uh, when, when he was speaking as the head of his household, you know, last week we got into the discussion about... Uh, uh, male and female, but notice that he, he said uh, as the head of his household, didn't say as the man. You may be the matriarch of your house, but you should certainly get saved and be an example for your children. Why does he keep talking about my churn? No, I'm going on. <clears throat> so he says that, that not only should the people make a choice, but they had to reaffirm that choice time and time again. Every time you make a decision to live for God, you have to reaffirm that every time you are confronted with the devil. And I'm not talking about the devil that you met you know, around the corner when you're eating your tuna fish sandwich. That ain't who we're talking about. I'm talking about the devil who resides in the world system, who is there every time you walk out the door. That devil. He confronts you with choices, and you have to make a choice. 
See, the thing is that most people, when they make a decision to serve God, it's not a well-thought-out decision. Because you didn't know that there were going to be these kinds of days. Come on. You didn't know days would come when people would be up in your face. You didn't know that days were coming when folks would cut you off. You didn't know that days were coming when folks would hurt your feelings. Come on. The, you didn't know that days were coming when you could not make a right decision because your mind was so muddled with mess. You didn't know that that was a day like that. That's why you have to make a firm commitment and stand by your commitment. Now, the Bible is very true that most people who say they're saved say that they're saved because they know the truth of God and they know how to live it out. But the truth of God is that in God's sovereignty, we find that we are only close to the truth when we're close to God. And the Bible says that a man is never freer than when he is close to God. In other words, when the Bible says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Now, here's a problem with most people is that individual freedom, individual liberty is a problem for most saints. <laughs> I'm going to tread lately on this because I don't want to, end, uh, to offend you or any of your family members. But, it, but let me just kind of ease into this a little bit. See, free will is not free. Your free will caused Jesus' life. And your ability to make choices based on free will should be based on the sovereignty of God. You're not free to choose to not show up in church. That's not a free... Do you understand that? You're not free to tell me what's on your mind. What? No, 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 no. You can't tell me what's on your mind so, so you can feel better about yourself and make me feel bad about myself. No, no, you don't, you don't have that freedom. You don't have the freedom to take off and go to the beach because it's a nice weekend. You don't have that freedom unless you've already had the early service in church. And why are y'all looking at me like that? Because here, here's the idea. The Bible says that, that <laughs> if we don't put him first, if first things are not first, the rest of it doesn't matter. So if you take your leisure time, your free time, your, 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 your liberty and use it for yourself, then doesn't that make your freedom another idol? Are y'all still with me? So now I idolize my job, my weekend, my paycheck, hanging with so-and-so. Because all of these things become more important than my service to God. Am I talking to the right crowd this morning? Y'all, I said I was going to ease into it, didn't I? 
So when we say, you know, that's why some of you, you are in church and your friends are not because it's the weekend. I need some rest. And what do you have rest from? Now watch this. The scripture's right here. You have rest from your enemies because God delivered you from them. And now you are resting in your own uh, victory. If somebody were to deliver me from bondage, I would certainly at least want to give them a thank you. So that's why I will enter the gates. But that's just me. That's just me. Amen. So the Bible says that Joshua made a decision that I would, he said, I'm going to give my undivided devotion to God. And I'm not going to be persuaded to do something different. Now he uses the term choose. Choose. The word is baka in the Hebrew. It speaks of God's deliberate and purposeful choices. And the Bible says that uh, it was the same as God's choosing of Israel. Now, that choice means that God made a choice before you did anything to deserve his choice. And that word is also similar to what John uses in John chapter 14. And it's, it's called paracletus. Y'all know what that is, right? That's the Holy Spirit. <laughs> She'll help with. So he, he comes along beside you in the New Testament to help you make right choices. So, amen. John chapter 14 and verse 26 says this. He says that uh, when the comforter comes, He's going to teach you all things and bring all things back to your remembrance. So what he says is that when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, he'll remind you of the choice you made and the choices that you are making. And, and, and the choice that you made was the initial choice to get saved. And he'll remind you that you are saved. What is he saying to you? You can't do that. You can't go there. You can't say that. And why is he saying that? Because he is reminding you of the covenant that you made. Amen. And you know that, that, that uh, a large percentage of people who get saved today really don't know that they're in a covenant relationship. They believe they're in some kind of uh, emotional relationship. This relationship is a covenant relationship, and covenants are spelled out. Any of you have a job? Any of you had a job? Anything know about work? Most jobs have rules. They have an SOP or they have an employee manual or something. They tell you what you can and cannot do. Basically, they say, if you do any of these, we're going to get fired. You understand that, right? But by the same token, this is, this is your manual. This is your employee handbook. And if you are in covenant relationship, this is what you use. Oh.
that can't be right. I'm going to have to talk a lot faster. There's going to be a second part to this. I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure which. <laughs> so let's get to what Joshua did. Joshua put all his cards on the table. Uh, he was very clear. And he said, choose from your, for yourself who you're going to worship. And see, what people do today is they choose when they're going to worship, not what they're going to worship. Because they call themselves Christians. So therefore, they choose when to be a Christian. Tuesday, Saturday, if I choose to go to prayer, and Sunday morning. Now, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I'm just plain old early version heathens. That's when you were around talking trash telling people what you think and how you feel. Okay, all right. <clears throat> Again, too much information for you guys. Okay. So the Bible teaches us that, that when Joshua was speaking, he spoke as a kingdom dweller. What do you mean a kingdom dweller? Well, he was very precise in what he said. He said this. He said, you know what? I can't control you. You ain't listening to me now. I can't control you. I don't have your heart. But as for me and my house, what I do have control over. Are you understanding this? See, 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 I can't tell you what you can and cannot do. But I can tell you this. I can tell you this. Every one of you has to make a choice. Now, whether you like it or not, you must make a choice. The choice is to serve God or serve an idol. They're the only two choices. And because man, by his very nature, is religious, he will always worship something. Huh? When you find a person who cares about nothing, that person is usually in an asylum somewhere. Because people care about what they, what they wear, what they look like, what they think. But when we decide that we're free, we, we don't care about anything. Okay, all right, let me move on. So these two verses place the decision squarely upon Israel. So it says the people have to choose between the pagan gods or God Jehovah. So you have to choose to fear the Lord. And fearing means to serve in sincerity. That's what he said here in, in the text. And he said, and to forsake all idol gods. So there's uh, a very straightforward invitation here. And he said, you have to make a clear decision. And this, again, is where it starts to get muddled because we're not sure that we made the right decision. I was just reading last night about uh, a professor at uh, Moody Bible College who decided after 20-some years of teaching and writing books that he didn't, didn't want to be saved anymore. Now, there's an issue uh, in society today where people can't seem to reconcile 
what's right and what's not. <clears throat> when you have uh, a certain group, Uh, who decides that church is all about politics. And then you have another group, we just call it Dayspring, I'm gonna, just for sake of argument. We believe in following the living God. Now when you have this conflict of ideas, about what's right and what's wrong, people over a period of time when they're being bombarded with false information will be conflicted about their decisions. This is why you're sitting here trying to get some information that will give you uh, the ability to make right choices, which is what we're saying about renewing your choices day by day. And the Bible says that the inner man is being restored day by day. Amen? So he says here, uh, uh, if we choose right, then we don't have the conflict of the world. What does that mean? That means because I believe God, no matter what happens, I'm going to be all right. Hmm? I might be wrong. I, I, you know, I'm human. I, I, I could be wrong. But I think it would be hard for someone to tell me that it's right to go to the Capitol. Huh? And take over? Somehow, I, I don't see me being convinced of that. Now, it could happen. But I sure hope you all would get me some help. But there were preachers there. Get back to what you're supposed to be doing, baby preacher. You know, okay. Joshua challenged the people to do these things. Here they are in, in order. Fear the Lord. Reverence him as the sole object of your worship. Serve him. Perform his will by obeying his command. Listen to me. When Romans chapter 12 talks about your reasonable service, reasonable service, what's reasonable for a believer is to obey. That's reasonable. There should never be any debate about you obeying. Then he says, insincerity. Says, have your whole heart engaged in worship. In other words, if you are sincere about your worship, then... Uh, you, you ought not be wishy-washy. Uh, <laughs> ah. And in truth, and in truth, uh, that, that means according to the directions that he's given you in his word. That's the, the word of God is the truth. And he's given you those instructions. And then he says to put away other gods. Hmm. Now, well, I'm just going to leave it alone and say that, that, that we're talking about the gods that you served before you met Jehovah. Okay? 
And I'm going to stop right there. Here's what, we, here's what, what Paul, I mean Paul, uh, Joshua is teaching us. He says that to fear God means to take him seriously rather than having a casual relationship with him. <laughs> and see, like uh, I, I tell people all the time, you can't live on the fringes. And most of us live on the periphery of God. Uh, we're close, but not in. You know what I'm saying? We're close, but not in. And for each one of us, there's a, an easily besetting sin that keeps us from going all the way in. Well, I would, but. And see, the one thing that some, some of us as hell uh, has kept us from being delivered. It could, you know, for each one of us is different. It might have been your fame. You might have been a famous person at one time. You know, that means at least three people knew you other than your parents. Uh, it could be your position. It could be your position. It, it, it really could. It could be your job. It could be your money. It could be your relationship. All of those things keep you on the periphery rather than in Christ. You never go all the way in. That's why folks, folks, you know, uh, uh, would tell you, you know, we all don't say that, but, you know, some folks will always tell me how, well, I'm going to lay down my religion because I'm going to cuss you out. Well, you can't do that if you're a real Christian. I don't mean I can't cuss you out. It means I can't. I won't let out my. <laughs> I'm gonna get you while I'm still saved, in case this don't work out the way I planned. You know. <laughs> so here we go, and I'm running out of time. An integral part of salvation is personal choice. Each believer must continually choose who he will serve. And what do you think it means to serve? We just said in the beginning, it means to perform his will by obeying. To serve means to perform his will by serving, by obeying. So if you are disobedient, now, now most folks don't know what it means to be disobedient. It does not mean, listen, it does not mean that uh, I don't do this or I don't do that. It means you haven't been doing what the Holy Spirit has led you to do. You understand that? Doesn't make any difference how many decisions you make. If the Holy Spirit didn't lead you to that decision, you're disobedient. Some things look good on the surface, when in reality, they're bad for you. Hmm? Biggest problem in the kingdom of God, and I see it in the kingdom of God, one of the biggest problems in the kingdom of God is that most people have diarrhea of the mouth. No, I didn't say pyrrhea, I said 
Y'all understand that? You can't shut up. Because you always got to tell your side of it. Do you, you, you know, so, sometimes the best gift you can give God is to take that whipping and don't say anything. Huh? Just take it. Okay. Say, not today, Pastor, not today. But, but I'm working on it, Pastor. I'm working on it. <laughs> okay. So he goes on to say, serving the Lord is never a one-time choice. It's never a one-time choice, but we're always choosing to believe, choosing to trust, and to persevere in faith, and to be obedient. So we're always choosing to do that. I'm always confronted with situations where I have to make a right choice. No matter who it is, I still have to make a right choice. It's a constant renewal of choices. Now, here's the thing that you need to look at. A failure to choose to serve the Lord will always result in judgment. Verse 20 tells us this. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after he has done you good. I don't think that anybody has ever seen that in the Bible. Because if you had, you certainly would be a little bit scared. Has he been good to you? Okay. Then why won't you obey? So then he makes it present tense. He said, this day, choose this day, choose this day. The God of the present is here. He said, each generation must make the choice. Each, gener each generation must make the choice but the generation following you will not be able to make a choice if you have not given them anything to choose. Amen. What kind of legacy did you leave? What kind of footprint did you leave where people can follow you and know how to make a right choice? Amen. Have you given them anything definitive? Now here, well, I'm, I'm out of time, so I'm going to have to finish this next week. But let me just tell you this. We train the next generation when they're very young. Did you hear what I said, when they're very young? When you lie in front of your children, you're training the next generation. When, when, when they see you cussing, they see you drinking, smoking, they see you doing all kinds of stuff that's not right. You know, they can't do anything about it because they're children, but they know that what you're doing is wrong. Now, what happens is you get up and go to church every Sunday, but they see your lifestyle. Now you're trying, you know, 10, 15 years down the road to get them to accept your lifestyle when your lifestyle is all jacked up. Now you expect them to be 
good Christians. And you say to them, well, you need to be in church. Why? It didn't help you. Then they're not going to say that to you, but. Y'all listening to me? You say anything, do anything in front of young ones. They don't say anything because they're not going to be disrespectful like you. I mean, when I say like you, because you said in front of them, but they have more respect for you than you have for them. So at some point in time, they make a decision. Their decision is a better one than yours. Why does it better? Because they have chosen not to be. Y'all understand what I'm talking about? You sure? <sighs> now, I realize I talk a lot about your salvation, and it's simply because nobody has talked to you enough about your salvation. I'm not talking about you getting saved. I'm talking about you staying saved. And most of us don't realize that uh, we're, we're about... Uh, Hate to say one cuss away, but but most most I know y'all would never cuss, <laughs> but you are so close every day to being over the line. Amen. Amen. I'm going to finish this next week because I'm out of time. I did not realize I talked that long. I think something happened. It just ain't right. I declare. But, but be that as it may, stand up on your feet. <laughs> and while you're standing, let me say this. The reason that we're talking about choices and the reason that Joshua was so emphatic about choices, the reason that Paul was so emphatic about choices is because every day we make a decision to live or die. Jesus, live or die. Let me move on the other side here because I don't think y'all understand what I'm saying. A decision that's outside of Christ is a decision to die. Amen. Amen. And every time we make those choices, we have to be held accountable for those choices. And what we have a tendency to do is we want to make choices that we consider right when it's convenient. I want to tell you today that it is the inconvenient choice that gets you delivered. It's when I choose to do the right thing in spite of. It's when I choose to forgive rather than holding a grudge. It's when I choose to give rather than withhold. It's when I choose to do rather than not. That God is working on my behalf. And salvation is a constant working out of that process. He brings me to a place where I have to make a choice. Do this, do that. 
And the more I choose to do the right thing, it's what Deuteronomy chapter 28 says. I choose life. I choose life. I set before you curses and blessings. What's your life like? That's all I'm going to say. Father, I thank you. I give you praise for these people. God, I realize that they are your people, so I'm asking you to deal with each one of them individually and to deal with us as your corporate body. Give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation knowledge so that we can know what God has called each one of us to do. Help us, God, to be steadfast and immovable as we make right decisions. Help us to step up to the plate and do the right thing in spite of circumstances. God, let us consider one another as we make decisions and how those decisions will affect each other. So God, we're asking for your wisdom. So that you can bring us back to right standing with you. Now, God, we give you praise and thanksgiving for all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.